Kylie and I are back. NFL COVID rules. Player reaction. Name changes in Major League Baseball. Ten historic facts. We have more news on Deshaun Watson. As well as an unfortunate death in the NFL family. And then we wrap it up with the NFL fan rant AFC West. Cue the music. Joe Bees and Kylie Munch. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Beehive Sports Podcast. Joe and Kylie here, lots to go over today. Some crazy news, it's been an insane week. Some new NFL COVID shit. Cleveland are no longer the Indians, the tribe being put to rest. So we're going to dive right in, we're going to start with the NFL informing clubs that outbreaks among unvaccinated, remember that, unvaccinated players could lead to forfeited games. If the games cannot be rescheduled, players will then, on both teams, not be paid. But it doesn't say, so this says nothing about vaccinated players. Because there's vaccinated people who are testing positive. But according to this NFL memo, if there's an outbreak and it's among unvaccinated players. So if you're vaccinated and you have a breakout or an outbreak, whatever you want to call it, good. Also, if you're vaccinated, you can still spread COVID. Correct. And you only get tested once a week. Right. So you could, if you, you if you contract COVID on Monday, because I think they get tested like every Monday morning or Sunday night or something like that. Okay. Or, beginning of the week so if you get if you get a get tuesday it, right you have it for a week and you're spreading it all around right. yeah whereas the guys that don't get vaccinated get tested every day so now they're saying if the game cannot be rescheduled because of an outbreak that's when this forfeit would come into play game checks out the window uh 18 games last year from my count i'm not great at math actually i am pretty good at math and I counted correctly. 18 games were rescheduled due to COVID. Wow. I didn't know it was that high. 18 guess, games. Wow. That's higher than That's I in a 17-week season. Right. So now we're moving into an 18-week season. They didn't have to add an extra week last year. They made it work. I mean, some teams got pretty good and fucked. Uh, definitely depended on who you were. Denver had a wide receiver playing quarterback. For a game, if that was any team that we saw play deep into January, that wouldn't have happened. They wouldn't have allowed that. Right. They got boned big time. But yeah, NFL was NFL was going to push this through one way or the other, and they're going to this season, especially they did last year. They're certainly going to this. Every stadium is going to be full. What's one? What (laughs) one game? I sure hope so. One game 
that doesn't get rescheduled, I wonder how what kind of dent that puts in the NFL's pocket. Because, listen, I don't give a shit what your what anybody's COVID views are or or who's trying to to look like they're actually caring. I'm here to tell you right now, the NFL cares about dollar signs. They do not care about player safety. They don't care about player health. That's been apparent for the last 50 fucking years when we're watching Junior Seau drive his car off a cliff because his head's all banged up. They didn't care. There's no, they don't care about this stuff. All the way to pushing it through COVID last year. (laughs) Right. Yeah. They weren't, they didn't even consider not having a season. It was happening. This is the biggest, like, woke ploy I've seen of any business or industry in all of sports, especially. But this is junk. They are going to play every game. They're going to reschedule every game. They have 18 weeks. They added a week to the season. They're going to be able to do it. Look at what they did last year. I mean, they moved games all the way around. I know the Steelers got screwed. They had to play like three games in, what, 11 days or something like that? Yeah. And then, uh, you know, their bye week, they ended up having to take their bye week in like week four or five, super early when they were scheduled to be later. Right, yeah. So they're they're going to get these games in. There's no way they're not. This is, to me, it's just a way for them to appear as though they're giving a shit. And m- my opinion on the entire thing is that they don't and that this is just a way for them to look like they're caring because all they care about is money. Everybody knows that. I mean, look at what they're doing. They talk about a league where it's, if it's not broken, don't fix it, but they're trying to put a team in London. They're trying to put games in Germany, they yeah. Brazil, Mexico city. Right. Yeah. 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 Because they want the money because they know that this could be potentially huge for the league. Mm. I mean, imagine if there was legitimately a team in London, right? What would that do to teams on the West coast? Right. When you're traveling that far for a game, I mean, that's brutal. Those players are going to hate it. Mm-hmm. It's to me, this is a huge, huge money grab. Uh, so, on top of it, 15K for a fine for an unvaccinated player who breaks protocol. So, once again, vaccinated, free reign, you're fine. You can even cause an outbreak, and that's okay. But if you're unvaccinated and you cause an outbreak, May God have mercy on your soul. The player reactions to this were a little bit as expected. One thing that surprised everybody, Cole Beasley didn't say anything. I don't know if his phone got broken or what <laughs> happened, but Cole Beasley didn't respond. One of the most vocal throughout this over the last few weeks. Well, so. and yeah. Yes, definitely. And I mean, we've talked about him a lot Mm -hmm. the last few weeks because he's the one who's saying, listen, there's a shitload of players who feel like I do. I'm the one who just chose to speak on for me and on on their behalf. Right. This is a very torn subject. Everybody knows that. I was talking to a guy who played basketball tonight. I was talking to a kid at basketball, a young, younger kid who said to me, uh, yeah, I was at, I didn't even say where he was, but some like a older woman like straight up just and this was just in general conversation asked him if he'd been vaccinated he said no and she like kind of went bananas on him and i told him i'm like don't answer that question it's not her business you don't even know this lady and this has just become such a subject that everybody is it's 
the next big divide for our country. It's the middle school dance. The vaccinated guys are against this wall, and the vac- unvaccinated people are against this wall, and it's terrible. And they're going to keep drilling at home until they, until they can't. But it just seems like there's no end in sight for that mm-hmm. because too many people are buying into the hype of being mad at people who aren't getting vaccinated. It's their personal choice. I was going to say who are making a choice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The the choice that they feel is best for them based off their education and their research. Because there's as much as people don't want to admit it, there's research saying both things. So it's who do you believe? So some people choose to believe this side. Some people choose to believe that side. I believe that people should choose to do whatever they want. I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. Do it. Don't. I like you either way. I'll still be your friend. I'll still hang out with you. I don't care. So anyways, back to this player reaction. DeAndre Hopkins quickly deleted tweet. Never thought I would say this, but being put in a position to hurt my team because I don't want to partake in the vaccine is making me question my future in the NFL. He was the first like big response to this entire thing when this memo came out. So you're talking about a guy who is a, a top three receiver yeah, in pro, the league, yeah. Hall of Famer, and he's joining you know the side of speaking out against being forced to do something he doesn't want to do. More reactions. Uh, well, okay, back to DeAndre Hopkins, actually. After he deleted that, about three hours later, he posted another tweet that has still stayed up, I believe, and it just said freedom with a question mark. Stefan Diggs rep- uh, responded to this, and he just said accountability with three periods in a row, availability. So a lot of people took that multiple ways. I don't know what he meant by that except for uh, be accountable, be available. If that's his way of urging players to get vaccinated, I'm not sure. So that could be Diggs's view on the entire thing. Matthew Judon. The NFLPA fucking sucks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Straight to the point. Right to the point. <laughs> I like Matthew Judon, though. I, I, I thought he for is a, a minute, patriot now, though. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, because there was a minute there that I thought Buffalo might pursue him because they're in desperate need of a pass rush. But, yeah, so, and this is again, so the NFLPA is signing off on all this shit. And now, well, this, I mean, he's, Judon's not the first. This is part of Beasley's deal. Yep. Beasley's saying, you're not representing all of us. Where's this vote at? Who is agreeing to all this stuff? Because I've heard nothing. That's kind of what Beasley's point was. Judon apparently hadn't heard anything either. Because he just flat out trashed his own union. Uh, Jalen Ramsey tweeted, and he actually quoted his own tweet and responded because of all the negativity that he was facing. He said, I know two people right now who got the vaccine but are COVID positive. I'm just saying I wouldn't look at a teammate as bad if he don't get the vax. No pressure from number five, number whatever, from him. Then he, like I said, he quoted it and he said, 
some of y'all clearly didn't get what I'm saying here. The NFL is pressuring slash influencing guys to get the vaccine. They are saying if there is an outbreak, the team will be penalized heavily. My point is no teammate of mine will feel that pressure from me. So that's what he was trying to get to is that it sounds like Ramsey kind of has the same, uh, almost the same viewpoint as me where it's I'll accept you no matter what. Because that's what I've been saying since we had the very first episode that we talked about this shit with Josh Allen. I think it was with Allen when Allen made a comment, uh, refused to answer questions about it. And fans and media were all like, oh, Josh Allen's anti-vaccine. No, he's not. He just doesn't want to talk to you about it because it's none of your business, which makes sense to me. So that was the player reaction, and we did have uh, one retirement. Rick Dennison, the offensive line coach, former offensive coordinator for the Bills, current, was current offensive line coach for the Vikings uh, after he refused to get the vaccine and he retired from, he he left Minnesota. So that could be a trend. I mean, you have players, I don't know. I mean, it could be empty threats that they're just kind of putting out there to, you know, stand up for what they feel. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't see DeAndre Hopkins retiring, but crazier shit's happened. Yeah, I think it's harder for a player to um, to actually retire in its prime like that than than it is for a coach to take some time off. Right at this, you know, say I'm retiring right now right. because it's easier for a coach to come back when a coach can coach for. 40 30 40 years right really. i mean if he if he yeah. started young enough you know what i mean if you're sean mcveigh or you know what i mean but so like a but a player you know what i mean it's a little tougher it's it's bigger decision i guess as a player guess, yeah to in right in the middle of your prime well yeah because he still has millions to make right easy mm-hmm. i mean he's not done he's and, not even close to and, done. and wants to compete at a high level while he still can right and in you know, with with his teammates, and you know what I mean, and to give that up as a chance to one of his best chances, maybe to win a ring and stuff, and just that, even you know what I mean. Yeah, too. Well, yeah, he yeah, because he's never won anything. He doesn't want to go out like that. Nobody wants to go out like right. this. Yeah, Beasley doesn't want to retire. Middle of his prime. Yeah, when, Hopkins when, doesn't want when to. You retire. know, you're on a high level team that can right. compete for a Super Bowl right Correct. now. Yeah, you know. I mean, I, but I wouldn't even think that if Hopkins was still on the Texans and they're in this like disarray of just shit storm down there right now i still don't think that's not what he wants to do he doesn't want to go out. nobody wants to go out and be remembered as the guy who retired because of a vaccine issue or a pandemic issue you know that's not what these guys they're, they're not built that way maybe no no certainly not in the middle of his prime i don't think like right that, you know what i mean yeah he was i mean i think it makes maybe makes a decision a little easier for a guy like Larry Fitzgerald, maybe, but at the same time, he's on a really good play for a really good team because he still hasn't announced yet, right? No, people are speculating that he yeah, did, but, that he's going to go. But I mean, I would think that this would sway as could possibly sway his decision even more. But you never. It's know. just a shame that this is even yeah a talking for point sure right now. Like I mean, we're in jeopardy because of a personal choice. We're in jeopardy of. And I, again, I don't think it's going to happen. So I say in jeopardy loosely, but of talent shying away from the NFL because 
the uh, powers to be are setting all these rules in place that are making them uncomfortable. And that's not, I don't know. I mean, to the, to the person who is super pro put their frame on their Facebook photo stronger together, get the shot. And that's another thing that if I think I read one more time on the internet, I'm going to lose my fucking mind is I saw, I've seen so many people in response to Beasley now in response to Hopkins just get the fucking shot. Like, how do you say that? I, it's just, it yeah. just blows my mind that people are that, like, who are, who, who, who's the basement dweller on Facebook that's telling Cole Beasley what personal choices about his health he should make? But listen to the experts. Well, which ones? Mm-hmm. Cause you have experts over here saying this. You have experts over here saying this. The FDA has not, signed off on this vaccine yet and i don't even i don't know i mean i'm not a vaccine expert i'll never pretend to be but you get these comparisons of well you got to give your kids vaccines to go to school sure ones that have been around for 50 years that have been tried and tested and proven and you're going against one now that has been out for what since january right it was made in less than a year and people have questions people have concerns uh, yeah what's it what's it do to yeah there yeah there could be long long lasting effects i mean what's it do to somebody who's they don't know yeah what's it do to what's it do to my you know i mean long term for a woman in her childbearing years what's it do to a man you know what i mean yeah just stuff like that even you, i don't know they just don't know and there's no way for them to prove it regardless of what they're saying they have not gotten into a time machine and checked on people 20 years from now who got vaccinated in the year 2021 they can't do that mm-hmm. that's impossible so they don't know so like i just like i said for me it's just respect everybody's choice and if more people could do that then we could probably get through this a lot like peacefully and you know that's it's i guess that's just pretty much it just if people would just respect other people's decisions but they don't right because i mean if you if you have it supposedly if if it works as good as these people say it does then in in that are so strong and hard on it then you're protected right so don't what worry do you, so don't worry about right that's and that's what I get confused about too is people are like, well, I got it for you. Well, aren't you supposed to be protecting yourself? You're protecting other people by getting it. Who's it protecting? Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of questions. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. So we'll, again, this is just another NFL drama that we'll get to follow throughout the season and see how it goes. But mark my words, there will be no forfeits. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I, there's no part of me that thinks they will ever not reschedule one of these games. If they do, it's going to be like a, uh, hey, you guys were the first to do this, so we're going to just smack your PP real quick in front of everybody so that now we set, you know, we used you to set an example for the rest of the league. We're going to reschedule everybody else. But now everybody, you know, is rushing to CVS and getting a needle stuck in their arm. It's not going to happen. So on to 
something a little more humorous. One of my, I just love Gardner Minshew. I wish he was better. It, it like hurts me that he's not very good. Yeah, I mean he's not awful. And no, I mean he was, he's not awful. He was, I mean he was on wasn't on a fantastic team either. He has not been, and I'll tell you what. He's next on my list of quarterbacks I do not want in Pittsburgh because I can check off Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's not going to Pittsburgh, clearly. He's a Panther now. I think that's all going to work out for him. He's going to be just fine. But I was afraid of him going to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Because they have a knack for just finding the guy and plugging him in. I can and see here. something like Minshew there, too. Honestly. That's what I mean. That, that, I so, I never, that's never even crossed my mind. Right, because he's not going to be there long term. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence is their quarterback. Right. He's going to be playing somewhere else. They'll find a suitor, yeah. He will. He'll get a chance again somewhere, I He think. will. Yeah. And if it's Pittsburgh, that concerns me because he could end up being – I want to like Gardner Minshew. It would be hard for me to do that if he's wearing black and canary yellow. Yeah, that's never even crossed my mind, but that's a – I could – I'd still it. like him. I could see it. I would have a favorite Steeler. I don't – trying to think if I've ever had a favorite Steeler. Kevin Green, when I was a kid, I liked him. Greg Lloyd. Uh, but recently, none of them really come to mind. Yeah. I liked uh, Chase Claypool until he, like, he kind of fell right into the juju trap of brand and just being a general douche. I always, <coughs> I always. Do you have a favorite Steeler of all time? I I had great respect respect for a couple. Um. Two off the top of my head, Heinz Ward and Troy Polamalu. Okay, I'll I'll sign off on that one. I liked both those guys. Yeah, Heinz Ward. They played, never did anything. He was gritty. They never tough. did anything obnoxious. And Polamalu was just an absolute freak show. And I feel like he just his timing on every play was just so perfect. Mm-hmm. He was always in the right spot. Mm-hmm. Which was fascinating because I don't think that's something you can teach. It's like, and you know, that's an yeah. instinct thing. And yeah, he, yeah, he always. And he's had getting a, inducted, right? This is it next week. He always had a knack for a big play at a big or time. He, I can't remember if he already got inducted or if he's about to. Yeah, I'm not sure. They're in the Hall of Fame game, so somebody from Pittsburgh and Dallas are getting in. I think it's Paul Mullen. I'll have to look that up. But but yeah, he always had a knack for finding a big play at a big time. And and he yeah he all he's, he's tough just all the time he it was, would come up with big plays. I always predicted with him that his style of play would not be something that he could do for a long term career. Mm-hmm. And he didn't. I mean, he didn't play a whole ton of seasons. Yeah, but his style you couldn't. Nobody's body could handle right. the he way was, he played he played reckless he was just <sighs> super 100 reckless. mile an hour every play yeah yeah, yeah. yeah for sure yeah. so yeah i'm on board with that and, and, and ward like you said was just so gritty such a good blocker he did all the little things right and he always came up with a smile on his face that was, yeah it's great you know what i mean it was yeah. great about him yeah he'd get he'd get popped so hard and he'd come up smiling you know what i mean and i don't know i just respected those guys yeah for sure so back to gardner Minshew, which we just we went off the off the rails there. We do that. We're allowed. We can do whatever the fuck we want. Yeah. So Gardner Minshew, who is 
getting set to battle Trevor Lawrence for the number, you know, QB1 Jacksonville. Obviously, Lawrence probably the heavy favorite, I would think. But maybe they'll sit him for a little while. I mean, crazier shit's happened, but I can't imagine that we're going to see too much of him on the sidelines. So Gardner Minshew was on... uh, he was on a podcast. I think it was uh, Chris Long's, whatever it's called, something green, going green. Or, I, I didn't can't know remember. he had his own now. Yeah, it sucks. Oh, does it? I don't know. It's not as good as ours. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> he probably has a few more uh, listeners than us, but funny. whatever. We'll catch him. He's good buddies with Rosillo, and I, I didn't know he had his own now. That's I'm pretty sure he does. So... Uh, back to Minshew. Minshew says, in preparation for the competition, I haven't taken a shit in weeks. Number two isn't an option for me. <laughs> God, that guy. I mean, he cut his mullet, which. Did you see pictures of him like pandemic pictures? No. Is he still rocking the stash? Uh, uh, yeah, he's got. Yeah, he's got like a Fu Manchu going, but. uh is that what it's called? No, it's just handlebar handlebar mustache. Yeah. yeah I was thinking of something like that. What's a Fu Manchu? That's where it goes all the way down to like Yeah, that's what he has. Oh he does? Yeah. All the way down handlebars. Is that the no, same thing? Handle, handlebars like come, come No, up. that's a curly. Handlebars oh, would be like yeah, down I guess, like this. I guess yeah. you're right. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I have to shave for work, so I don't Right. Same yeah. here. <laughs> uh so anyways. Yeah, he cut his mullet. He did, like, this awesome photo shoot where he wore a jean jacket, had a mullet, was, like, leaning on a Trans Am or something like that. I don't know. He's just funny, dude. But just, like, hands down one of the best characters in the NFL. Like, he's, like, a like 70s porn star just landed in the year 2020-ish. And here he is. I watched him... Uh, I think it was during a Jaguars bye week a couple years ago. He was at the Washington State Cougars. That's where he went. And he was on the sidelines for a game. And he was just wearing these, like, tiny cutoff jean shorts. <laughs> like, dude's just nuts. So, yeah. Uh, again, don't want him in Pittsburgh. But we'll see how that goes. Pittsburgh Pirates back in the news. Some fans are sad. Kylie's a fan. He's not that sad. And we'll we'll let him speak his piece here. Adam Frazier traded to the Padres. Uh, he was their lone all-star, right? Nobody else made it from the Bucks, did they? All-star game? Yeah, Brian Reynolds. They both oh. started the game. Yeah. So, I don't know if he played center in the game, but he's their, their center fielder. Uh, he played outfield. So Adam Frazier. He the ninth. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear about that. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, there are still or all maybe stars. Maybe it was seventh and eighth because it was National League, so the pitcher probably hit. Oh, yeah. I don't know if they had DH. I can't remember. Yeah, so Adam Frazier uh, traded to the Padres, goes from basement of the division to a pretty solid World Series contender. Uh, Kylie, you have some alternate thoughts on this because I know the general public is saying, well, and like I told you, I think five years ago, people would have been in an uproar, but they're just so used to the pirates trading away their top player that 
it just kind of, I don't think anybody really phases them anymore. They're just kind of like, yeah, that makes sense because they trade everybody. So what do you think? Adam Frazier's 29 years old. Um, he's he's not going to be part of this rebuild that they're trying to do right now, and he's got some value. So in my, opi- in my opinion, they – they need to trade anyone of value that's that's over like 26 years old right now and collect as many early 20s guys that they can to be part of this rebuild um and that's what they're trying to do and i i i was hoping that maybe they would get a little stronger return in this it's not bad by any means they got the padres number 5 um middle infielder shortstop middle infield guy um uh I'm, I'm could butcher this, but his name is Tusupita Marcano. Sounds good. <laughs> um, he was the key guy in the deal for the Pirates. Uh, but in, in he, like I said, he was number five prospect for them. Um, he he he. They said he when they traded Musgrove to them in the off season, he he was. They said he was unavailable. So I mean, they got him. They got him now for Frazier. Um, and they got uh and I, I believe the other Jack I believe the Jack Sawinski kid is an outfielder. And then um there was one other kid, um, Milano. Um I got I'm not sure I can't remember position for him. But pretty strong return in my opinion. Three guys, uh a number five prospect in the Padres system who's which is a pretty good system. Um uh, like I said, collect as many young guys as you can, I think. They also made another trade today. They did. Yes. Who did they do today? They traded. They traded Clay Holmes um, to the Yankees, who I was surpri- surprised they got any return for him at all. To be honest, he's a reliever that is a middle of the road reliever. He's not even like a closer for them or anything. Okay. Um, and they got two infielders, Hoy Jun Park and Diego Castillo. Park. Um, Yankees fans today on Twitter were going a little. They were pretty upset about this. Oh yeah, they, that's they, good. They sign. let Park go. Yeah, yeah. For a very middle of the road yeah. reliever, I I couldn't believe that they did. Got the Pirates a, rip off the Yankees. Maybe it's it seems like it. I mean the the from what I I did read though that these guys have to be on the forty man roster by like. There was a timeline, timeline, end of season, I think is what it was. They had to be on the 40-man roster or they'll be free agents. So the they're in, is, are they under the international contracts that, like, are they, like what they did with uh, Yuli, Guriel, they do those international, like, I think Otani was, came in on an international contract. I'm honestly not sure on that. Okay. Um, they said, but they said that these two guys... That they got for this, like I said, Clay Holmes, middle of the road reliever. Um, on fan on fan graphs, Diego Castillo slots in as the number fourteen prospect for the Pirates immediately, and Park will be around thirty three. They say cool. So Castillo, they have even higher on fan graphs, but the, for whatever reason, the Yan- I guess the Yankees fans were more. I don't know much about either guy right off. I haven't got to look much or anything, but pretty good return there. So they got. Two deals done. I'm assuming to get those guys on the 40 man roster, we could see some more deals. We got we got 
we got the rest of this week here. I think the trade deadline's like the 30, I think it's usually the end of July. Yep. Like the 31st or right at the beginning of August. And a lot of times deals still happen. Like through they'll work them through the waiver wire even after a lot yeah. of times. They yeah, can, I don't know. understand I don't know how, how any of that, that fully works. But it's, it's, uh, the Astros got somebody that way a few years ago. Yeah. And it was like the trade deadline passed and all of a sudden, it might even have been Cole. Yeah. Where they like got him after somehow. Yeah. And I was like, how the hell? I think... I think if you work out a deal, teams will like let them pass through waivers to get to get the deal done. Uh, yeah, that could be. That makes sense because that'd be the only way. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Huh. But, so, but yeah, I, I'm I'm okay with it. I want them to trade. Like I said, anybody that's got any value, I, Tyler Anderson is going to be the next name to watch, starting pitcher that they picked up in the offseason, like a one year deal type thing, and you know, I hope he does good to try to flip him type thing. What a uh, and you, so you think uh, this general manager they have now you approve so far? Yeah, he came in after after the the he who the players who we not should na- should not name got traded <laughs> to the, the Rays. Uh, the guys who are really good for the Rays Archer. right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those I'm not shall fully not convinced those guys ever would have. That I think the Pirates' development could be part of a problem. It could too. be. More than because I mean, you see a lot of these guys. Glasnow was terrible, you know what I mean, and yeah. Cole, and Cole wasn't nearly as good. Cole, yeah, I mean, I think the that there's train. problems with development there too yeah. and stuff. So, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think he um, Ben Charrington is doing a pretty good job. He came from the Red Sox. Um, I think he I approve of what he's done so far. Um, it's a tough job because. It's a small market team, and they the owner doesn't want to spend much money, and so he's he's got to do it this way that you know you see the small market teams doing things. So he's just trying to flip and collect as many young guys as he can, which is exactly what I like I've been saying, and it seems like that's what he's doing. So. Right. What uh? Well, while we're on baseball, some more breaking, earth shattering news from this week. Cleveland Indians announced that following this uh, this current season, they will be rebranded to the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, the logo is awful. It looks like to me, like they took. Remember that? Remember when the Angels switched to those awful uniforms in like was that early two thousands or something like that? With that A with the wings on it, yep. and it was just terrible. Mm-hmm. I feel like they just. Remove the A and slid a G in there. I, it does look, yeah, it's pretty look bad. very similar, yeah. So, I mean, this is causing, obviously, just this is no different than the COVID story, where it's just the huge divide. People saying, yeah, it should be changed. People saying, no, it shouldn't. I read a huge post today from a Cleveland native who uh, is Native American and said that the... You know, the tribe has been like her tribe for her whole life. And there's, she said that there's a lot of Native Americans who feel the same way she does. So I think even in that realm, if you are Native American, I think that it, it appears to me that they're split, that some of them find it offensive, some of them don't. I'm just curious to see uh, where does it stop, for one. For two, uh, I don't know if you saw this too, but there 
is a men's, I believe it was men's, roller derby team who have been called the Cleveland Guardians since 2011. So this is a potential problem. And they there's a news article about it, like, circulating. So I didn't read a lot into it. I don't know what their... Trademark. If they're pissed or if they're, like, not. But I know a news story broke about it in yeah, Ohio publication. League or something? Or? Something. I, I don't know. I wonder, if Maybe, they have, I wonder if it's trademarked. I don't know. Because if it's trademarked, then... Then they can't do it. Right. Yeah. So that'd be funny to maybe reroute Cleveland baseball team. It's the only way to go. So even the even Washington has. Did we talk about that on the last podcast that they they announced that they're going to have a a team name by next season? Yeah, but it will not have anything to do with anything like like some people were saying be the Washington Warriors. Or something like that, you know. Right, right. Yeah. There, it will have nothing to do with anything Native American. Washington Guardians. That would make sense. <laughs> yeah. The Cleveland Guardians. So, uh, did you see the uh, post I shared on the Facebook page that was hilarious? Where the guy said, uh, people will be mad that the Indians changed their name to the Guardians in the MLB, but they'll play men's league softball with a team named Two in the Pink and call it innovative. I did see that. Yes, That's hilarious. That was, that was really yeah. funny. But uh, I wasn't. I I thought I wasn't sure what you're alluding to because I the one other one that you got a lot of um, feedback from was the uh, golf one. And I thought you were talking about that which one, one was that? But there's two different types of golfers. Oh yeah, and I'm both. I've been both. Yeah, you got a lot of feedback on that. Yeah, one. it was a good one. Uh, so yeah, I mean, where does this stop though? That's the question that's burning. I mean, are the chiefs in danger or the Braves in danger? Um, are these teams that, you know, are going to have to rebrand too, because it's the way our country's heading is everything is offensive. And if it offends even a small group, then it must be uprooted and and changed. I told Honorati the other day, uh, Kel Renzel, the groundskeeper for the Buffalo Bisons, his former team was the Great Lakes Loons. Maybe that's offensive to people with mental health issues, and that's next on the chopping block. It's when does it quit? The Hartford Yard Goats are safe, I think. I hope because that's my favorite minor league baseball team name. But it's just where. Where does it quit? Yeah, I don't know. The loon, a loon is a bird, right? Not in my world. Right. I mean, but I think that's. I think oh. there are. I think there are. I think there is a bird that's called a loon. There probably but, is, but that's not where I was going with that. Right, and that's kind of like. <laughs> so, right, I understand, and because so does that. Yeah, does that leak into? If they go there, then that leaks into. The game cocks. Right, cocks offensive. <laughs> Because they everybody, South, oh, there's South Carolina games, <laughs> yeah, right. or so, game, I mean, yeah, that yeah. leaks into stuff like that. Where like, yeah, that's an actual like. There's there's you know what I mean. There's there's birds and stuff that are you know what I mean and like but but then it can be used in a different way. So, so then where does it? Yeah, like you said, where does it end? Yeah, it's. I mean, the possibilities are endless. There was a post that was circulating a while ago where. A guy listed like every team and was found something that it could offend. Right. I mean, most of it was satirical. Right. And but 
a lot of it was like, well, yeah, that could animal cruelty. Yeah. Well, yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's that's what will be next. Well, they've gone. I mean, those groups have gone off after live mascots for God knows how long. They've always been doing that. They did it in Ace Ventura. They were trying to get rid of Snowflake. Right. That's a movie from the 90s. They've always been pissed off about live mascots. Now, it's just names, just words. Everything is hurtful. You know what else is hurtful? Team USA's performance against France. Let's talk about that. Not a whole lot to say. Uh, What are they doing? First loss since 2004. Athens. I don't know who it was against, but this is not good. That they lost two exhibitions, which didn't mean shit. Right. But then their first match against France and some guy whose name I can't pronounce dropped like twenty eight on him. Uh what's that Rudy guy's name? Rudy Rudy Gay? No. Gobert? Gobert? Oh Rudy Gobert, yes, yes, yes. yes. He's from yeah. he's from yep. Francais. Yep, big center for the jazz. Yep. So yeah, they uh, out. I think I saw the final, like three or four minutes, was a sixteen to two run, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if these guys aren't taking it seriously, I mean, they have a huge bullseye on their head. Yeah. Thing because every you know, obviously they're the favorites always, and so I mean, whenever a team plays them, they're playing them like it's their NBA NBA finals. Right. Them. So I mean, if they don't come in playing hard in, in with the fire lit under them somehow, then this could, you know what I mean? They got to find a way to, to get, to take these games more seriously. Cause I have, I didn't watch it, but I mean, either there's not much on, excuse. I don't even know what time they're on. Cause they're in Tokyo. It's right. like, and I didn't even see highlights or anything, but I mean, there's not much excuse. Like you said, to lose these games. So like the only thing that I can only imagine, I mean, I, I shouldn't even say, but is that they just aren't playing as hard. Like, right. That's the only thing, that, the reason that they should lose to these guys. Like, right. Because this is, we're talking without a doubt, no if ands, or buts, the best players in the world are on Team USA. I mean. There's it, there's players right. for other countries. Right. But it's like one or two guys and then. Yeah. And then who's their supporting cast? Right. Right. I mean, this is the an all-star, an NBA all-star team going and playing in the Olympics against a couple teams who have won maybe two NBA all-star types, but there's no excuse for them to be losing. Dream Team wouldn't have put up with this shit. That's why Jordan's a goat. Tell me I'm wrong. No, no. Right. no. I told you, I texted you that Jordan story. That was pretty funny. That is a good story. <laughs> we'll have to tell that one eventually. Because Jordan's stories are my becoming my favorite. <laughs> I figured so. you'd like that one. Yeah. I did. I yeah. Dan Patrick. Yeah. 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 So I think that'll wrap up the opening. Chris Long, we're coming for your show. Even though you get uh, Gardner Minshew as a guest and I get fucking Mike Honorati. It's kind of the same, both cartoon characters. So, take a break. Be back with This Week in Sports History.
Hi, this is Chris Rossetti, and I wanted to take a moment to tell you about our new website, D9and10sports.com. It's just like the old one, but with the word and in the number 10 added to the end. D9and10sports.com is your new home for District 9 and District 10 high school sports, and we are doing all the things you have come to love from us, plus much, much more. Our goal is the same, to cover every sport at every school in both D9 and D10 in a variety of ways, including writing, video, and audio. If you're a high school sports fan, you need to check out D9and10sports.com today. Let's take a look back at this week in sports history. This edition of This Week in Sports History is brought to you by D9and10sports.com, the home for all things District 9 and District 10 sports. If you love sports, this is the place to be. Going to roll out 10 facts for you, starting in. Number one. 1931. France announces that they can't afford to send a team to the 1932 L.A. Olympics. Now they're just building basketball powerhouses, so fuck it. 19, yeah, they waited a few years, you know, we didn't even like have almost a 100. Didn't even have a dream team back then. No. And, uh, yeah, now they're just beating Team USA in basketball. No big deal. Number two. 1958. Ted Williams is fined $250 for spitting at Boston fans again. I said again. He played for Boston. But apparently he spit on their fans more than once. I mean, people do not like Boston fans, though. If you listen to other athletes, they say it's a shitty place to play. And, like, as an opposing player. Yeah, I, I think... But I think, honestly, I think Boston fans take pride in that in a little bit, like like being like being a scumbag, kind of like Philly fans. Yeah, idiots. Yeah, all right, fair. Number three, 1983, the Pine Tar game. George Brett hits a dinger. The umpires claim too much Pine Tar on his bat. The home run is disallowed against the Yankees in the ninth inning. So, bonus facts, we're going to tell a little story about this. The Royals protested that game. Four days later, American League President Lee McPhail upheld the Royals' protest. Uh, In explaining his decision, McPhail noted that the spirit of the restriction on pine tar on bats was not based on the fear of unfair advantage, but simple economics. Any contact with pine tar would discolor the ball, render it unsuitable for play, and require that it be discarded and replaced, thus increasing the home team's cost of supplying baseballs. McPhail ruled that Brett had not violated the spirit of the rules nor deliberately altered the bat to improve the distance factor. McPhail's ruling followed precedent established after their protest in 1975 of the September 7th game played between the Royals and the California Angels. In that game, the umpiring crew had declined to negate one of John Mayberry's home runs for excessive pine tar use. McPhail, who also heard this protest, upheld the umpire's decision with the view that the intent of the rule was to prevent baseballs from becoming discolored during the game and that any discoloration that may have occurred to a ball leaving the ballpark did not affect the game's competitive balance. 
because they aren't going to use that one again anyway. Right. Free uh, souvenir, right? With a little bit of pine tar on it, maybe. So McPhail ends up uh, restoring Brett's home run and then ordered the game to be resumed with two outs in the top of the ninth inning with the Royals leading 5-4. Although McPhail ruled that Brett's home run counted, he retroactively ejected Brett for his outburst against the umpire, McClelland, and also ejected Hauser and coach Rocky Colavito for arguing with the umpires and Royals pitcher Gaylord Perry for giving the bat to the bat boy so he could hide it in the clubhouse. <laughs> it's a pretty badass move. But uh, so I didn't, I mean, pretty much any sports fan has probably seen the video of George Brett coming flying out of the dugout. So that's what that part meant. And I didn't mention that when I said pine tar game, that's the image that first pops into my head. Right. Of course, this is a podcast, so yeah, no images. But so yeah, that was the uh, conclusion. Oh, the, and the conclusion was that it was resumed uh, August eighteenth on a scheduled day off. So we're talking a little less than a month later. They resumed the game in front of twelve hundred fans. Royals win five four. They did it on a day off. They made them play on a day off. Yeah. <laughs> They must not have had any. Hey, they must I'm, not have had any other scheduled games against them or something. The I don't know why they wouldn't just do that when they played them again. <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know what I mean. Yeah, they, they must maybe not. They, have. Maybe they didn't. Have well, it was, yeah. yeah, I mean, if you're talking the games in July, it was uh, Royals Yankees. Yeah, so not a division. Game. Not a division yeah, game. They probably only had like six games against each other. Right. Or something. So they could have played them all out before mm-hmm. then. All right, plowing ahead. Number four. 1987, the Red Sox wave old Bill Buckner the season following his crucial World Series error. Uh, you know, the bonehead play of, I mean, probably ever, right? I mean, that's a that's up there with, like, Norwood's missed field goal. Like, that's you blew it. You blew it. But they've, like, welcomed him back, I think. I'm pretty sure he's been back to Fenway since and welcomed back to the Red Sox family. It's tough. If the internet was around then, that guy would have been playing in Korea next to Will Craig. Right. They'd have been splitting time for the Seoul. Uh, I don't know what any of those teams are called over there. And I believe Bill Buckner was a pretty good baseball player. He was. Yeah, yeah he was. Yeah. Well, he's starting first base for in the World Series. Right. None of those guys typically suck. I mean, if you're on a team that makes it that far. So, okay. Number five. 1990. Roseanne Barr sings the national anthem at the Reds Padres Major League Baseball game. Sings? Well, yeah, didn't sing. Butchered it. Uh... But that was back when people enjoyed the national anthem. If she did that today, people would applaud probably. Because she, like, I read that she grabbed her groin and spit on the ground. And uh, it was, yeah, it was seen as very, a very disrespectful rendition. Repulsive. Repulsive. Yeah. Good word. Yeah. Uh, Like hitting notes terribly and just, it was just terrible. The whole thing, real bad. Number six. 1991. Rob Dibble, 
back from a three-game suspension, is ejected for throwing at and hitting a Cubs base runner. <laughs> Wiffle ball. Yeah. Yeah. Wiffle ball rules. He pegged him. Uh, so that's just... Rob Dibble was fun. What was the... I think what were I remember the Nasty video. Boys? His, like, crew of three pitchers yeah. uh, for the Reds, Steve I think. Carlton. And who was the other fucking guy? We need to phone Tory Means on this one. Yeah, I can't I know Steve Carlton was one of them. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember. The but, other yeah, guy. he was, like, the, a, a bad boy, you know, of, of baseball. But, yeah, plunks a – intentionally plunks a base runner. Kind of neat. Yep. I think I remember seeing that video now that you bring that up. I think it was like a, he was running down the first baseline and it was like a dribbler type deal where in the guy, the guy was like, he didn't like run out of into the box. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That type of deal kind of, okay. but, but he still completely deliberately just drilled him. Yeah. <laughs> right in the number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Randy uh, Myers was the other one, by the way. Randy Myers is yeah. the third nasty boy. Okay. And it wasn't Steve. It was Norm Char- Charlton. Sorry. Whatever. Good enough. We correct our mistakes on this show. <laughs> Usually. Number seven. 1994. O.J. Simpson pleads, quote, absolutely 100% not guilty of murder. Uh, we obviously already went over that whole whole story so we know how that all ended number eight 1997 greg maddox throws a complete game now we've seen two different digits here and we counted the pitches on what was it baseball reference yep which is an extremely credible website and we're counting 78 but it, the story says 76 I'll give you the numbers. You can check the math yourself if you feel so inclined. Inning one, seven pitches. Inning two, 11 pitches. Inning three, nine pitches. Inning four, 12. So he's probably getting a little winded in the in the fourth. Inning five, eight pitches. Inning six, seven. Inning seven, seven pitches. Inning eight, nine and inning nine, eight. That's about the most. Well, I counted seventy-eight too. That's the most just now. Yep. In your head. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> yeah, he's. That's efficiency. That's a hell of an outing. It's pretty solid. Yeah. Thirteen balls. Thirteen balls out of seventy-eight pitches. Wow. Yeah, I just saw somebody post about that on one of the baseball pages I follow. I mean, I knew it had happened, but I didn't know, like, we were on that week in sports history until I was just looking at the numbers there. So. Yeah, Greg Maddox, I mean, yeah, he he was – he there was, a, there was another crazy stat that I saw with him before, too. He faced 20,421 batters during his time in the league, and only 300 of those batters – Saw a three zero count. I yeah, I remember seeing that. That's nuts. And 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 a hundred and seventy seven of those were intentional walks. So so realistically, only like a hundred and twenty got 
guys saw three O counts out of twenty twenty over twenty thousand. That's crazy. <laughs> Only barely over a hundred guys. Yeah, I well, we talked when we were writing, and I told you that I still don't think that guy gets like the love that he deserves. He's he an artist. He was really. so good. Yeah, I mean, pinpoint. And uh, I just saw a quote the other day too from Randy Johnson where he was saying like, uh, Maddox is better than me because he's smarter. He can't throw 95 to 98 on his fastball, but he his like placement and pitch selection and just situational. Yeah, confusing yeah. batters, yeah. never being predictable. Keeping guys off balance. Yeah, he was he was really good. And he was part of that Braves team that I like loathed when I was a kid because they were on TBS, so you always had to watch them. Steve Avery, John Smoltz, that was the big Tom thing. Glavin. That was the big thing is that they got a national national broadcast yeah. when there wasn't that. You couldn't, right. you couldn't pull up MLB TV and, no. and watch any game you want. Right, and not every team was contracted through like a – even then I don't think every game – was every game televised then? I don't believe I don't think, think so, so either. No. Not, so I, for I, me, it was it like slowly came in. Growing up, it was either you were watching the Cubs on WGN or you were watching the Braves on TBS. And I remember the Braves announcers, like I learned what a homer was at a young age because those announcers were just like Chipper Jones. That dude could walk on water. According, to, I mean, he was really good though. Yeah, Chipper was cool. But all right, moving ahead. Number nine. 1997, Dallas TV station KXAS settle with the Dallas Cowboys players Michael Irvin and Eric Williams for reporting false sexual assault allegations against them. So they must have sued one one something out of court for uh, some fake news in 97. It's always been happening. Where's the journalistic? integrity these days munch it's rough it's rough that's why we keep it real here <laughs> number 10 2019 more cowboys news i guess i didn't really think about that but cowboys are named the according to forbes the most valuable sports team in the world coming in at five billion uh second is the Yankees 4.6 billion third Real Madrid 4.2 billion I think every I think we just we discussed this like every sports franchise would sell for over a billion now though I think in any of the major sports probably maybe I don't know maybe not hockey I still think they probably would yeah if you get the arena with it whatever I don't know all right this edition of This Week in Sports History is brought to you by D9and10sports.com, the home for all things District 9, District 10 sports. If you love sports, this is the place to be. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with the things that sting. Now time for the things that sting, the worst stories in sports according to Joe. 
All right, we're back. Things that sting. Recycling an old story. Talked about this way early in the pod because as soon as uh, the show kind of kicked off there in end of March or early April, Deshaun Watson was making some headlines. Uh, he had, at that time, 22 lawsuits, and it was like uh, the number started at four or five, and then the next day it was nine, and it was 15, and it made it all the way up to 22 over the span of like a week or so. Number just kept growing. Uh, news comes out the last couple days. Deshaun is showing up for camp. Uh, he's doing so to avoid a $50,000 a day penalty. So good decision. Wouldn't I wouldn't want to miss out on that either. Mm-hmm. Plus, he might need it to pay off some lawsuits. <laughs> Yep. That's assuming guilt. I'm not doing that. Just a joke. Uh, so the Texans are now listening to trade offers. The report is three plus f- or three first round picks plus. Doesn't say what after that, but more picks, players. I don't know. Uh, I think they're a little late to that party. But with his. You know, future in doubt. Yeah, how tradable is he at this right. point? Right, and yeah, and that's. I mean, it seemed like that they were at the beginning that they weren't really budging and didn't want to before the even all that news came out. So, yeah, that might have been a little late. But once it came out, I don't think they had could have done much. Anyway. Well, their new coach is like hardcore wants them there. Yeah, and that's how it started out. And but yeah, they they weren't going to be able to get anything near a real offer once all that news came out anyway. So they had to, at that point they had to hold on to him and, and hope for the best that. So regarding the lawsuits, because that story did kind of go a little bit quiet, right? Yep. Uh, and Tony Busby, the, he would be the attorney representing all these women. Uh, he said that the, there will be no settlement on any of the lawsuits anytime soon. And actually put out a quote saying, the press folks say we've gone quiet, but the truth is we made clear early on that we wouldn't try these cases in the press and now are doing the important work required for our clients to try these cases to a jury. It's a lot of work. I would also point out that on a daily basis, our firm proudly handles cases for people who have lost loved ones, for people burned beyond recognition for workers who have had their lives ruined, for people hurt, for people discriminated against, for people wronged, and for people defrauded. Our firm will keep doing that. Thanks for your interest. Stand by. So it was also noted, too, that now several of these cases are in the hands of Houston police and the district attorney. Uh, So there's definitely more to come on this. And that, to me, I mean, like... I've said this before when we talked about this. The NFL has their own little investigation crew, you know, who goes out and probably does some right to know uh, stuff, tries to get their hands on whatever the police have. Of course, it's not going to be much in an active investigation. They aren't going to just hand over, you know, statements and and things like that because the NFL is requesting them uh, because the conclusions haven't been set on any of these cases. So that, Nobody's going to give out that information to doesn't matter who you work for. Uh, we understand, you know, they would understand that. Yeah. You work for the NFL. He plays for the NFL. You want to know what's going on for the best interest of your business. However, 
this is still an ongoing thing. So we're not going to shed light because that could ruin an ongoing investigation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, so the, you know, the attorney responds saying the reason it's gone quiet. So we kind of got a little bit of some answers there. At least we know things are wheels are still in motion. Uh, things are still happening. The investigation's ongoing, but meanwhile, Watson is reporting to camp, still wants out, does not want to be a Houston Texan, but is the price too high for him to even be moved? So it'll be, uh, I mean, we're, we're coming up on camp. Camp's starting this, this week for just about, I think, every team. I think mm-hmm. the two who started early were Pittsburgh and Dallas, and then now every other team comes in this week. So he'll be there. Where will his head be? Where will his heart be? Who the hell knows? But... It'll be a time will tell kind of thing. And the Texans could get a taste of Tyrod Taylor. I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> yeah, that would be his. Maybe he'll say that. Maybe he'll throw down a Marshawn quote. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Yeah, 50000 a day. Don't blame me, Deshaun. Good decision. In some sadder news, uh, New York Jets assistant coach Greg Knapp died last week from injuries suffered when he was struck by a car while biking in San Ramon, California. Knapp was 58 years old. Uh, the name of the driver is being withheld, but it was noted that they were not uh, driving under the influence of alcohol or drugs and are fully cooperating with the process. So as far as the name being withheld... Uh, that could happen regardless of age, but it kind of makes me lean toward it may be a minor, uh, which, you know, the the thing that kind of settles with me is, like, I, I've seen quite a few bicyclists get hit by, or cyclists, whatever they call themselves, get hit by cars even here, you know, just working here. Uh, cell phones have turned to a range of even more distracted driving. And I'm not saying that's the case here, uh, but very well could have been, but it's a, it's a big problem. And uh, it is. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I'm sure it would be fun to, I've, I've said for a long time that I think it would be fun to like own a motorcycle or, you know I mean? But I, there's not a chance. It's dangerous. It's extremely dangerous. There's not a chance in Hollywood with people out there, text on their cell phone right. not paying attention you have no protection and they don't care about and, the, and that's what know. i tell even people who are like well i'm a good driver i'm not saying you're not a good driver mm-hmm. but what you have to worry about is other drivers it's not you i'm mm-hmm. um, you know to people who are right. like well, i'm a good driver but right uh exactly. yeah it's yeah you, yeah and as far as the phones go i mean it was this was basically like in Pennsylvania. I mean, in New York, it's what hands free regardless. You can't be holding your phone to your head on, on a phone call driving. Right. Pennsylvania, it's just text based communications, uh, email, you know, things like that. But it was, in my opinion, a, a law that was passed because a shitload of people were dying from crashes or being in just injured from crashes that were, was caused by somebody texting and driving. And they actually, so, so it was like, they, they just got bitched at so much lawmakers and PA mm-hmm. that they were like, 
well, we'll fix that. We'll make a law. Well, that's, you know, how that stops. You know how laws stop people. They don't. But on top of that, it's like if you read the section, which I can't remember the, the exact number of the section, but it's in Title 75 of the Vehicle Code, and it's an extremely hard section to prove. So to me, they were like, lawmakers were, oh, okay, we'll help. Here's a law. Police, it's your problem now. You fix this. What What's it? What part is hard to prove? The, the uh, you like have the to see movement, like uh, you know, the I have to, thing? yeah, yeah. And I've always said this, like, if I got pulled over for that, why couldn't I just say I was, I was, um, doing something with my GPS? Or you something? could, yeah, yeah. No, you absolutely could. Simple, of course, simple as that. My brain would immediately go to. Kylie, you're two blocks from your home. What do you need a GPS well, for? Well, right. No, I, if I, I'm not in... Right, yeah. No, uh, I, right. I, could, I, I In that case, I could say I, I hit it to switch a song. <laughs> yeah, no, there's... And that's the thing is... Cause, and I'm going to pull it up so I can actually read it because... Yeah, because I wondered how... I, I always wondered about that and like how that how in-depth that was. Is, is it just state communication? Like, could I just be changing a song and is that's legal? So it's... The section is 3316 of Title 75, and it's no driver shall operate a motor vehicle on a highway or a traffic way in this commonwealth while using an interactive wireless communications device to send, read, or write a text-based communication while the vehicle is in motion. So there you have that, while the vehicle is in motion. So if you're at a red light, good time to check your phone if you need to. But if the vehicle's moving, that's... So there's another part of it there that's like okay yeah so they're saying it only says communication text-based communication or whatever so like i can switch my fantasy lineup at a red light while driving it does that's not where you're reading okay you're still reading it's communication if you read i would say that but it's still no i see you're not allowed to look at a gps then or something well here so here's the rest of it a person does not, so this is like okay. people who aren't breaking this law, a person does not send, read, or write a text-based communication when the person reads, selects, or enters a telephone number or name in an interactive wireless communications device for the purpose of activating or deactivating a voice communication or telephone call. So knowing that, if I stopped you for texting and driving, what would you say? I'd say I was changing a song on my... I would say I was calling someone. Because yeah, right guess. there it says if you're reading a number or entering a telephone number. So if I'm hitting letters to form a word illegal, if I'm punching in 814-688, blah, 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 you're good. So do you see where... Yeah. That's what makes this so tough. Yeah. there's that's for sure yeah Yeah. so it's to me it was like lawmakers were getting you know bitched at by a bunch of people because they had lost people from it or something and they just decided to hand the police a shit sandwich and said here you go now it's your guys's problem but it's hard for to enforce (laughs) like i've always thought that that's 
it's got to be so hard to have. Yeah, it is. So almost impossible. I'm not encouraging anybody to do it or to do it and say that you're calling someone. That's not the point of this talk. Yeah. Be responsible. In saying that's the, yeah, you're just saying that's a a difficult law. It's a difficult law to prove. Yeah. Yeah. And again, so going back to Greg Knapp, I don't know that that has anything to do with any of this. It was just the point of the distracted driving thing. But uh, yeah, I again, some, I always had some questions. Yeah, about that, we so go I'm off the rails a little bit. Curious. Well, and it's in, fine. In, in, it involves your job. And right. Like, yeah. So it's like that's kind of what this segment's a little bit about. Right. So uh, back to Greg Knapp, the unfortunate story. His family released a statement that said uh, after he was struck by the vehicle, he actually never regained consciousness at the hospital. And it was, uh, he died this past Thursday. And the incident actually happened last Saturday. So I actually didn't hear about it until he had passed away. But uh, Greg was known as a QB whisperer, is what a lot of people referred to him as. He started his NFL career in 1997. He had stints with the 49ers, Falcons, Raiders, Seahawks, Texans, and Broncos in either the capacity of quarterbacks coach or offensive line coach. Some of uh, his biggest projects that he spent time with and they said mentored or tutored uh, was Steve Young, Peyton Manning, Matt Ryan, Mike Vick, and Carson Palmer. So those are all pretty solid quarterbacks that he worked with. And uh, I actually read an even a little bit of an even sadder part where they said that he uh, was like felt rejuvenated coming into the jets with this young quarterback room. And that it was a dream of his to mentor Zach Wilson. So it's sad shit, but yeah, unfortunate Robert Sala. There was a lot of uh, Arthur, uh, Who's the Falcons owner? Arthur Arthur Blank. That's it. I believe that's correct. I think that's it. They all released statements, you know, speaking out on the on all of it. So, rest in peace, Greg. It's too bad for uh, you know the way it all happened and everything. All right, that's it for the things that sting. We're gonna take a break. We will be back with NFL Fan Rant, AFC West. Stick around. Hi, this is Ryan Klein, the host of the new pop culture podcast, Me, Myself, and Rye. You can find me on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and several other platforms. Special guests, breakaway shows, bonus episodes, cold beers, and a whole lot more. So what are you guys and gals waiting for? Subscribe now to the Me, Myself, and Rye podcast on Spotify or wherever it is that you get your shows and start listening today. chapter of the NFL fan rant off with a thank you to everybody who participated 
this segment has been a lot of fun to do. It's fun to get listeners involved and, uh, you know, hear your points of view on your teams, make your cases. It was, it was fun to listen to. Had some good banter, which is what I was hoping for uh, when we do it in the future. I hope it all resembles what the NFC West fan rant was like, where everybody just hates each other because it's fun. So final week, like I said, this is it for the fan rant. Uh, Not sure what we're going to do with my hive moving forward. Probably going to be some uh, more Facebook posts where you guys interact and we discuss. I've had fun doing those. Kylie's had fun doing those. So that'll be, uh, you know, discussed here in the next week or so. But anyways, again, thank you to everybody who participated. We will be doing something with you guys. uh, The winners of the votes. I believe Mike Honorati won last week. So we're going to have him advancing as well as all the other people who have won their respective divisions. So we'll figure out how we're going to maybe do like a seeding and then just have people square off AFC versus NFC. We'll figure it out. Maybe we'll crown our own fan rant Super Bowl winner. All right, so first up, AFC West, Denver Broncos, being represented by Nick Pace. Nick, where are you calling from? Well, from Jacobstown, New York. All right, you have three minutes or less. Tell the world why the Denver Broncos can sneak their way to Super Bowl greatness this coming season. Well, I think sneaks... Um... Definitely not the right word, um, but I'm going to give it a shot here. Uh, first, I'll start with the rumors. Obviously, Rodgers, um, I don't think that's happening now, as I believe he's resigning with the pack, which don't blame him, but that would have been a huge uh, boost in confidence as far as the Super Bowl goes. Um, also, Deshaun Watson still on the table. I know he's ready to be traded, so it's a possibility that will definitely up our odds um, to get a good quarterback in. Um, haven't been the same you know, without since Peyton left back in 2015, Super Bowl year. Um, luckily for us, the defense back then is what carried us, and we've got a pretty stellar defense going this year so far, um, at least on paper. So hopefully when defense wins championships, you know, it's still a thing. Um, last season, obviously a bust from pretty much every aspect, from injuries, COVID, um, just, you know, poor play, 5-11, um, pretty low in offense and defensive rankings, but uh, we still kept it close in most games. Um, but, you know, obviously we have Chiefs and Chargers in the division. Raiders are still, you know, always somewhat good. They play good against the Broncos, but, um, you know, division's still relatively tough. Um, positive note, so no big key free agent losses. Um, we got some big names returning from injury, Von Miller, Cortland Sutton. Um 27th easiest schedule in the league. That's a big, big help there. But um, like I said, still have the Chiefs no matter what, which is usually a pretty easy uh, AFC champion, you know, at least unless the Bills can do something this year, right? I hope. (laughs) Um, Elway stepping down, gave George Patton the wheel uh, as GM. A lot of experience there. Definitely helped the Vikings a lot over his years. Um, 
had a really great draft, really safe. Um, obviously didn't go for any QBs, so he definitely has some faith in Locke and in Bridgewater in that battle. Um, got a good running back, Javante Williams, uh, pretty good senior season. Uh, Melvin Gordon had a, had a decent season, but he did split last year with uh, Philip Lindsay. So I'm hoping we have a big running game. Uh, offensive line, a lot more experience. Um, you know, Garrett Bowles went from one of the worst offensive linemen in the league to uh, definitely top tier. Uh, so I'm hoping that that experience with, with a couple years of the other guys is, is really going to turn them around. Never really had a good offensive line. Um, got good coaching staff. I mean, we got Shermer and Donatel. They both have, you know, 20 plus, 30 plus years of experience. Offense, defensive coordinator. Definitely going to be a big help. Uh, Mike Shula, the quarterback coach, you know, hopefully he's going to help Locke and Bridgewater, you know, really just excel. I know they're, they're both stellar backup quarterbacks, but we need a starter. Uh, wide receiving crew, definitely young, but I mean, very good. A lot of breakouts last year uh, as far as K.J. Hamler. Uh, Jerry Judy was a good draft pick, but he had a lot of drop passes. Hopefully he can step his game up. You know, Font, tight end, he, he had a great season. And then obviously Cortland Sutton back, top receiver. Hopefully he has another breakout year. Um, back to the defense, hopefully that can win the championship. Uh, really bolster the secondary. You know, we picked up Darby and Fuller. Uh, re-signed Simmons for a long-term deal. Got Kareem Jackson. Uh, PS2, Patrick Sertain, number one draft pick. That's a big, big pickup. I'm um, hoping he can really just hit the ground running. Um, you know, you got the boys off the edge. Vaughn Miller coming back off injury. Bradley Chubb. Uh, pretty def decent uh, defensive line. Draymond Jones, Purcell, re-signed Shelby Harris. Uh, I think that's a pretty stout front. I think that'll definitely help. Um, but our, our biggest, you know, feat is the secondary. We got Mahomes, we got Herbert, Haybear, however the hell you want to say it. Um, you know, we got some Derek Carr. We got some good competition in the division. Sure. We play each twice a year. So I think that, that depth, that secondary is what's going to really help us. Yeah. Uh, so go, going back to the quarterback thing, because Kylie and I talked about that earlier in the episode. Uh, what do you think? So, so the asking price they're saying for Watson right now is three first round picks plus. So I don't know if plus is more picks or uh some players Probably or some what. Players, yeah. What do you do? You think three first round picks? Let's just leave it at that alone. Do you think I? When the Rodgers rumor came out that first night, I can still remember I'm sitting on the couch about to cry, thinking that he's coming, and I was ready to give up three uh, first-round draft picks uh, to get Rodgers. But Watson, no. I don't think he's you know really that developed to where he's that superstar player yet. He's a great quarterback. I would love to have him, but I don't think he's worth that. Um, I mean, that's a lot of building. Granted, we have a lot of young guys. Um, so we probably shouldn't have to worry too much about drafts within, within the next couple of years, but I still think that's well it's a lot. priced. Yeah, it's a lot to give up. So and, a... and, and you know he's going to want some players. And I mean, you know, for Rodgers, we were going to give up 
three first round draft picks, you know, Cortland Sutton, our top receiver, one of the receivers. I mean, at what point do you, do you actually gain something out of it? Right. Yeah. I mean, Watson, I'm with you on him. I mean, I think, I think he's good, but clearly now you have all this baggage coming with him and nobody knows his future. So that's the other gamble. From what I've been reading is teams are going to gamble they don't think any investigation will be done within the year. So he's going to play the 21, 22 season and then kind of go from there. So, I mean, yeah, is it worth giving up three first round picks? And then in a year he's suspended. Right. I mean, what's it worth? Super yeah. Bowl or bust? I mean, that's a big trade off. That is a big trade off. Yeah. With the future unclear, that's tough to pull the trigger on that. So I, I don't know. I don't know I, that. I, I don't think Denver I think, does it. I, I don't think they do that. I mean, Luckily, like I said, we have George Patton now. I think Elway, he was definitely a shoot-for-the-stars kind of guy. Yeah, he was. And I could have seen him pull the trigger, but now that he's backed off, we got a new GM, he's he's playing it safe, he's really trying to build for the future. Um, so I, I, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Well, I think uh, and another quarterback that we discussed earlier that could be moved prior to the start of the season is Gardner Minshew. Yeah, uh, I, I. It's hard to say. I mean, I, that's going to be a good quarterback competition, but I definitely don't see him beating out Trevor. I think even but, if he does, it's going to be short lived. But uh, yeah, yeah, Minshew is a guy who Kylie and I discussed earlier. Like I said, he, we think that's a guy who's going to be a starter somewhere else eventually. Yeah. Uh, how yeah, long? I, that I still was? think he. I still think he needs to develop, but that's the problem. I mean. Locke has his ups, and, you know, Bridgewater's led a couple teams, and, and he can do decent, but in my opinion, they're both just backups. And yeah. why bring in another backup? You know, last year we brought in uh, the boat, and or the shit, what the hell is his name? I'm not sure. I just remember the game where your one wide receiver started at quarterback. No, he was a practice squad wide receiver, actually. <laughs> um but uh, they brought in a, a veteran last year. I don't know why I can't think of his name now. Um, and that didn't obviously show much. Was much it Driscoll? They, they brought in Flacco a couple years ago. That didn't show any promise either. Yeah, um, he fizzled so, out. Yeah. So um, we definitely need a top-tier guy. I think I think Watson is is up there, but I, just not worth that, that asking price for what we're trying to do. I agree. All right, uh, Nick. I'm well, thank you. Room, so. Oh, what was that? I said, I'm not in the war room, so I'm not sure what they're going to decision they're <laughs> yeah. going to make. None of us are. We just kind of speculate, right? Yep. All right, Nick. Well, thanks for being on. Yeah, thanks for having me, Joe. Snakes for life. Snakes for life. So next up, we have the Kansas City Chiefs, which, believe it or not, couldn't find a fan. Uh, kind of makes me laugh because they literally have the easiest job of all. They have to tell us why the Chiefs can win the Super Bowl. Pretty simple. Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Edwards Hilaire. They got a good team. They revamped the entire offensive line uh, after Mahomes ran for his life in the Super Bowl. So, and, and Andy Reid. I mean, one of the greatest coaches in the game, if not the. So, I did that in 28 seconds. I just explained why the Chiefs could win the Super Bowl again. Make it back for the third year in a row. Hopefully not. 
Clearly, the Bills fan in me does not want to see that. But tough conference, so we'll see what happens. But that's the Chiefs. I'm just going to that's it. We don't need to say anything more, I don't think. Uh, maybe the Bucks laid a little bit of a blueprint, but maybe they patched that up with uh, the revamping of the O-line. Who knows? Now, the next team up I do have a representative for. That's the Las Vegas Raiders. Representing the Raiders is Dwight Damcott. Dwight's calling from Warren. Probably on his lunch break. Dwight, three minutes or less. Tell the world why the Raiders can be Super Bowl champs at the end of this coming season. Joe, how's it going? Well, first and foremost, everything starts with Derek Carr. Past three years, completed 40, uh, 67% of his passes, worked 4,000 yards a season, 30 touchdowns last year. He knows Gruden's offense inside and out. I mean, you're not going to find a better quarterback to run Gruden's offense at this point. You also have Jacobs, who's had 1,300 yards in scrimmage the last couple of years, second broken tackles between Chubb and kind of Chubb and Derrick Henry. You got Kenny and Drake filling in for him when he needs a break. He's had 27 touchdowns over the past three years, so he can find the end zone. He's had uh, 50 catches in each of the 18 and 19 seasons. So he's going to be a great complimentary back for the offense. Also, we have uh, Henry Ruggs. He's got uh, another year in the system, added some muscle over the offseason. He's still running a, a 4.26 and a 40. Hasn't lost any of his speed. Brian Edwards, if you don't remember, last year, Ruggs and Edwards actually started the season as starters, and they were both rookies. This year, they've got a little bit more experience in offseason, stuff like that. Brian and John Brown, he's better than Aguilar ever was coming in the last year. I already miss him. Aguilar was gone, but... Sorry? I already miss John Brown in Buffalo. He was a, he was fun fun to watch and a little bit of a glue to that offense two years ago and then obviously benefited from having digs but he's a good receiver John Brown's solid he stays stays healthy he's solid he is if he could be like a even a third or fourth guy for us that's huge uh, I think he's gonna be our number two behind Rugs um, hopefully Edward steps up after being injured all last year but. I think our main receiver, obviously, is going to be Darren Waller. He's our number one guy, second best tight end in the league. If you don't know his story, look into it. It's a great story. I mean, he overcame substance abuse, addiction. He's got his head back on straight. He's kept clean the last couple of years. Hell of a ball player. I did not know that. Last season. I said I didn't know that. I didn't know anything about that uh, addiction issues or anything um, like that that Waller had. It's amazing. You gotta, you gotta look into it. I will. Story. And last year, he actually broke the franchise record in receptions over Tim Brown, who's one of the greatest, most under, underrated receivers of all time. Um, a lot of questions come with our offensive line, but we're getting Richie Incognito back. He sets the tone. He's a nasty blocker. Hell of a pass blocker. And we got a lot of young guys got to step up, but the young, explosive offense, lots of potential. And Gruden loves the run game. Everything starts with the run game for Gruden. 
having Kenyon Drake spell Jacobs reminds me of the old Charlie Garner, Tyrone Wheatley days, and we had a hell of an offense, got to the Super Bowl with it. So, uh, Waller the baller, he hasn't peaked. He's a great number one receiver. We have a versatile unit. Um, offensive line is young and unproven, but last year they were ranked 24th by pro football focus behind teams like the Texans, Jags, Atlanta, Bears, teams with some shit offensive lines, and we were right behind them. We finished 10th in, 10th in pass block win rate by ESPN analytics, but only 27th in run block win rate. If you know Gruden, he wants to run the ball, so if he can't run the ball, his offense kind of tanks. Uh, defense is where all the question marks come in. Uh, we had a lot of depth to the defense. Uh, we're not going to go too in-depth with the players. Uh, we had a bunch of players, but Max Crosby is going to be healthy. He played, uh, I think, a broken hand and a torn labor last year. He still played the second most snaps in the league for defensive line behind only J.J. Watt. So the bottom line for the defense Biggest get is Gus Bradley, defensive coordinator, taking over for Paul Gunther. Paul Gunther kind of punched his way out of a wet paper bag. It was terrible. Gus Bradley, he's a hell of a defensive coordinator. If, uh, if you don't remember, he built the Legion of Boom when he was in Seattle. Uh, took rookies like Bobby Wagner and Bruce Irvin, made them in the productive pros. Um, he left there to become the Jags head coach. He built that defense. It was ridiculous. You know, he had... Jalen Ramsey, AJ Bouye, all those guys, they they balled out. And he went, he kind of tanked because the Blake Bortles picked, then he pan out for him, and he sucked ass. So he tanked as a head coach because of that. Went to the Chargers as a defensive coordinator in his first season there as defensive coordinator. They went from 29th in points per game allowed to third. Vastly improved the secondary with guys like Casey Hayward, we brought over to Las Vegas with him. Trevor Williams, Desmond King, you know, those guys were. Global level players in their first year with him there as their defensive coordinator. The guy knows defense. You know, if he can make us the top 20 defensive unit, Derek Carr has got us in the top 10 on offense. Game's going to the Super Bowl. That's it. All right, Dwight. Thanks for uh, calling in. Uh, thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. All right, so last but not least, the Los Angeles Chargers representing. The Los Angeles Chargers is Max Davis. Max is a proud member of our country's armed forces. He's in the United States Army. Max, you have three minutes. Well, first of all, Max, where are you calling from? Calling from Fort Hood, Texas right now. Excellent. Uh, so you have three minutes or less to explain to listeners why the L.A. Chargers could end up winning this coming Super Bowl. All right. So my first thought on this is we have a rookie in Justin Herbert who by any means exploded last year throwing for just over 4,300 yards and 31 touchdowns, which is insane for a rookie. We have a healthy pass catching back with Austin Eckler, plus his backup with Justin Jackson. They are both very capable in running and pass catching out of the backfield. We have one of the top three route runners in the league with Keenan Allen. We have two big play wide receivers behind him with Mike Williams, who stands 
I think around six foot six, and Jalen Guyton, who can outrun almost anybody in the league. We also picked up Jared Cook this offseason, and he is known for catching touchdowns left and right. Our offensive line is led by Corey Lindsley, who we just picked up from the Packers this year, and I feel like that'll give Herbert enough protection so that he can really sling the ball this year. If we're going to go into our defense, our front three, Jerry Tillery, Linville Joseph, and Justin Jones, are all very capable of pushing people around and doing anything. But I want to talk about our leaders on our defense when it comes to Joey Bosa and how productive he is in being able to line up at the line or being able to drop back into pass coverage as well. He had seven and a half sacks less uh, last year along with uh, – along with 29 solo tackles, which was a very solid year for him, even though we did not get to where we wanted. And we also had Yuchenna Nuosu, who also recorded four and a half sacks as well. So our two outside linebackers recorded 12 sacks in total between the two of them. And then we're going to get to our other leader in the uh, on the defensive side with Derwin James. He has been injured the past couple of years, so he hasn't been able to play a whole lot, but I feel like this is sort of a redemption season for him, and he'll be able to really set the mark on what um, this defense is truly capable of doing. There's a reason why they're called the Jack Boys, and they have that nickname for a reason. And then our special teams, we have... Are, we have a really good kicker in Michael Badgley. He's very productive. He doesn't miss a whole lot. Uh, his extra point, uh, he had a little bit of trouble at the beginning of last year, but it's sat at 92.3%. And he, his long field goal was 53 yards. Uh, so he really knows how to boot it. And then our punt returners and kick returner with KJ Hill and Joe Reed, they're very fast and they are, are very good when it comes to um, – vision on the field so that right there as just going through the whole team is my this is like our year to really prove ourselves as a team with a young offense and a very experienced defense that can truly show the league what we're all about so that's how I think the Los Angeles Chargers are going to win the Super Bowl this year all right Max so a couple things I'll note one Justin Herbert's rookie season was ridiculous if he gets even close to those numbers again, they're going to win more football games because I think the defense will be better too. And also, as far as Joey Bosa goes, he's one of the most disruptive defensive linemen in the league, or, well, outside pass rusher. Uh, the Bosa brothers are both just ridiculously good. Exactly. Plus, we also got rid of our head coach in Anthony Lynn, which I will say he made a few critical errors last season. Um, so I feel like we're going to really put the plays in the hands of the players and not in the hands of our head coach this year, which is also going to be a very beneficial factor. Yeah, I think Herbert's, I mean, based off his rookie year, he showed that he's what he's capable of. I mean, he was the surprise of the draft, I would think, as far as first rounders. Uh, did he go in the first round? He did go in the first round, but he went uh, he went uh, later. Okay, but yeah, but he, again, there was uh, you know there was a lot of questions surrounding him when he came out of Oregon, but then you know now he's shown that clearly he knows what the hell is going on out there. So also, he wasn't a starter for our, the beginning of our season. We had Tyrod Taylor who unfortunately had that punctured lung from the doctor, but uh, he really stepped up and 
didn't even start the first game and still won rookie of the year. So he did it in 15 games instead of 16. Well, and the thing too, uh, I can tell you as a Bills fan with some Tyrod Taylor experience under my belt, the results you got from Herbert were much better than anything you would have got from Taylor. I 100% agree. <laughs> All right, Max, thanks for calling. Anytime, man. Have a great rest of your day. So there we have the AFC West done. Now that I think about it, actually, Dwight, who covered the Raiders, is a veteran of the United States Marine Corps. So we had a couple Armed Forces guys representing the West. Max, thank you for your continued service and stay safe. Uh, that's it. That's the fan rant. We're done. We've covered all eight divisions. That was a grueling eight weeks. It was difficult. I thank everybody who, uh, you know, they put their time aside to do this because the times I was recording were always random. People were able to stash away five minutes to hop on the phone and do that. I appreciate all of you. So we'll get the vote up for this later on, you know, a few days from now and see who takes the West. And then we'll uh, get into our tournament-style fan rant with all the winners come, uh, you know, sometime in the, as the season progresses. We'll go go into it that way. So, all right. Stick around for closing. Be back in a second. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Beehive Sports Podcast. I want to thank our sponsors, D910sports.com, me, myself, and Ride Podcast. Also want to again thank Nick, Dwight, and Max for calling in and completing the fan rant. It's all said and done now. Like I said a few times, we'll move forward with that accordingly when we uh, get all the votes in and have that all ready to go, so... Stick around next week. We'll be back with uh, more more sports news, more banter. We've been having fun with it. Appreciate all the listening, all the feedback. Keep the comments coming on the Facebook page. It just gives us more shit to talk about. So until next time, take care. Be safe.